0: There'll be food and drink and ghosts, and perhaps even a few murders. You're all invited.
1: Welcome to Fear Feasts. I'm Ali. I'm Vanessa, and we are your hosts. Good afternoon, Ali. Hi, Vanessa. How are you? I'm dandy. Or I should say witchy. How are you?
0: You're looking very witchy tonight, actually. I'm
1: totally going for the witch vibe. I'm glad you approve. Thank you. Thank you so much. You I know, always approve. we goth we goth girls. We have to, you know, we have to, you know, look the part, right?
0: Yeah, you're going for a traditional kind of black goth look, which is not the kind of witchy, colorful thing that's going on in today's films.
1: No, it's not. And you know, very excitingly, we are. Uh, well, we'll we'll start with our usual. What you with your usual. It's not a Bible quote today, though, is it? You're branching it out. Let's hear it. I wanted to
0: surprise you. And it's a quote from Roald Dahl, actually, The Witches. Ah. And it says, um, a witch never gets caught. Don't forget that she has magic in her fingers and devilry dancing in her blood. And dancing is the operative word.
1: Yes, that's a, that's a great quote. And it's very, very appropriate for today's uh, today's film that we're going to cover, which is Daria Argento's 1978 masterpiece Suspiria and the 2018 uh remake of it by Luca I can't pronounce his last name you're the Italian (laughs) what
0: Luca Guadagnino
1: Guadagnino Guadagnino yeah yes
0: he 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 did the biggest splash and he did I am love he did did he do bones and all I think think and he did call me by my name I didn't realize
1: he had done um I am love. So Tilda Swinton would it's it would appear to be his muse. Tilda
0: Swinton has done nearly all his films, apart from yes. Call Me by My Name, and then there's another one she hasn't done. But in apart from that, she's been in all of his films. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. Well, I I love Suspiria. Suspiria is is probably my favorite of all the Jello uh, the Jello film genre. Which I think you could argue that Dario Argento is sort of the 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 father of I think you could argue he's the one that invented it and giallo you 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 know you being from Italy you probably know more about it but my understanding of the giallo genre is that it's characterized by extremely bright colors ex- like almost day glow colors very kind yeah. of surreal storylines and uh and movie sets and just the weirdest characters
0: <laughs> it's a little bit gory as well isn't it there's a very there's gory. a kind of yeah. I don't know if, if if splatter is the right word, but there's definitely um, he goes a bit beyond kind of the normal just stabbing. He really is twisting the knife in there. You get to see some intestinal tracts. You get to see some brain <laughs> matter.
1: You know, in this case, you get to see some maggots. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Speaking of a Lots very criminal food scene, yes. Do yes, you want to do absolutely. the um, Do you want to do the the synopsis for the Argento film? Because the uh, 2018 film basically follows the same storyline with a few changes.
0: Yeah, there are changes, and with Guadagnino, yeah, he he tends to call it kind of an expansion on the original. Not mm-hmm. he doesn't like calling it a remake, but we'll we'll talk about that. But in the '77 one. Uh, Dario Argento, and I want to say that he wrote it with his wife, who's called Daria Nicolodi. So they are both the writers of this film. His and wife Vida was named Daria, it. and
1: he was named Daria. Daria. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be like you if you got married to a man named Alessandro.
0: Can you imagine? Ale, no. Ale, yeah. Ale, Ale, Ale. <laughs> no, I would not.
1: Oh, God, that's terrible. <laughs>
0: And just for anyone out there, I am looking for my second husband. Yes,
1: anyway. so, <laughs> and, I'm looking, and I'm looking for my 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 uh, future ex husband. So, FYI, if, <laughs> if anyone has any uh, if anyone has any uh, you know, any uh, dating tips they, or or future ex husbands, I can send my own alleys way. Please do, but you know, they have to be fellow goths
0: <laughs> or witches, so or vampires. Um, Speedia, I wanted to just premise this with a little bit of information on the essay that inspired Suspedia, and it's only very loosely to do with this, but it's by Thomas De Quincey, who um, was a philo- an English philosopher, actually, and he he wrote uh, a prose poem called Suspedia, They're prose poems, and they explore these laws of the human spirit, and they say that even the darkest aspects of life can actually hold elements of hope and fear and awe. So he portrays a world of outcasts who are burdened with suffering and this is also a gateway to art and I think this is a good premise to the film because it is about art it's about dancing and sacrificing mm-hmm. and it follows a story of Susie Banyan who is an American ballet student she travels to Germany from the US and upon her arrival a strange and sinister, more than one, strange and sinister events begin to unfold at the academy. And that also involves a brutal murder of several students. And they are really brutal. So she kind of, as she goes on, and there will be spoilers, but she discovers to be in a kind of coven, coven of witches. And the school is just a front for their dark rituals. Uh, I love the score as well. So the musical score, I hope we get to talk about that.
1: Oh, yeah. It, it's so great. Everything about that movie is is amazing. The the color scheme, the very uh, overreactive, highly dramatic uh, acting. I think you could say it's overacting. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I Ali actually had told um, told me this that I had asked her if the original Suspiria had been filmed in Italian and then redubbed in English, and she actually explained to me that that film each of the actors would record in his or her own native language. And then the movie would be dubbed in whatever language it you know, needed to be dubbed into for whatever mm-hmm. distribution in those countries. Because I was watching it on YouTube, I found a free version of it and I kept thinking to myself, my God, the, the dubbing is amazing on the American actress, but <laughs> these, these <laughs> Italian and German actors, it was like, whoa, that's fascinating. I think what I found, I mean, aside from, from the movie itself, which is overall just highly entertaining, extremely, gross but gross in an artistic way if one can can do such a thing it um i just found it so amusing in the just the sheer amount of cliches that they use in that film like the the german um the german headmistress oh my god she looked like a straight out of an american propaganda film about nazi germany and she had the severe hair pulled back and she had those very clunky you know, German matron shoes. And she just, she, she had, she had the stick and you know, she just looked so like, like everyone's worst nightmare of like the scary. Doesn't mat- she
0: look a little bit like the um Mrs. Trunchbull in the Roald Dahls Matilda? Huh?
1: Uh, speaking <laughs> yeah, of Roald Dahl, but, you know, that. she has a tie yeah. and
0: she looks very severe. She's yes, got a jacket. Yes. And, yeah.
1: And then, you know, uh, of course, all of the dancers are just beautiful. And, and, you know, the long hair and the flowing locks and then the, the actual, headmistress of the school, the Italian woman, if she looks like a witch from the get-go, she likes, looks like a, a dark haired Italian witch. You know, she looks like out of a book, you know, she looks like Strega Nona or something like that. And then the Susie Banyan looks like just the perfect little American girl from Ohio or, you know, the cornfields of, of um, Idaho or wherever they have corn in America. How terrible, huh? I'm an American and I don't know what state they have corn in, but I digress. Anyways.
0: You're going to kill me now. I'm going to say something that you're going to kill me for. No, no, no. Have you ever watched that series, uh, the Netflix series called Emily in Paris?
1: I have not, but I have heard terrible things about it. That is, it is every American cliche that one could (laughs) possibly come up with. And so I probably, I probably won't watch it because I, I, it's not that I dislike American cliches. I think they, they exist because they're true. (laughs)
0: It was just that there were multiple times while I was watching this film that I thought, oh my God, this is just like Emily in Paris in the sense that they've this American girl goes there and, you know, she's like got common good common sense behind her and she's going to sort things out. You know, there's a little mystery in this school, but she can ask a few questions, get to the bottom of it, follow a few corridors, get to the right door, you know, and it's and just a little bit of that.
1: But nobody else, no one else, has been able to figure it out. Like I love the scene where she's sitting there; it's toward the end, and she's counting the steps. And I'm like, "What? Who would think that? Like, who would sit there?" And yeah, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. But
0: also, there is a little bit of um, with, with regards to the kind of female character and being adventurous and that kind of spirit, which a little bit reminded me of that. I'm only joking about Emily in Paris, but it uh, kind yes. of the okay. idea of like you know, someone from an out, outside of the culture coming in and saying, come on, guys, yes, mis- centuries of mystery, but here I am and I'm going to solve here it. Here I something. am,
1: I'm the American, I'm yeah. going to solve everything and then I'm going to leave everything, you know, you know, tied yeah. and neat as a pin and everything tied up in a perfect little bow. Yeah. And, uh-huh. yeah,
0: but this idea of like the women that are portrayed and how they're featured and that they are strong-spirited and this is a little bit down to, I think, Dario's mother, who was a very, very famous photographer and used to take Dario gentle when he was a little boy to her shoots. And so he had and he says this himself, that he had very close contact with many beautiful women, always doing their hair, doing their makeup, um, lovely dresses. And so this kind of repeats itself in the films. And I think it's true of Suspiria as well, that there is this influence and mm-hmm. this gaze on the woman. Always kind of in front of a mirror, adjusting herself, and yes, yeah, so mirrors the Mirrors
1: play a big role in this, mm, in this yeah. film, but I think you could, I, in in a way, it, uh, the jalo genre reminds me a little bit of the gothic genre in the sense of what was that famous quote by Edgar Allan Poe? Something about there's nothing more fascinating. I'd all have to look it up about than the death of a beautiful mm. young woman, and the, yes, the death of a beautiful young woman is always the central point of, of Giallo. And I, you know, and, and Giallo, Giallo, I think you could argue, and you know more about this than I do, but Giallo is probably inherent to Italian filmmakers, wouldn't you say? I mean, the, the genre itself was, was created in Italy and I think it just, it's reflective of, of the, of the culture and the the sensibility of, of Italian male filmmakers of that Mm. particular era and that genre. But I also think it ties in because, you know maybe speaking of clichés you know there's always that cliché of the the latin lover the italian lover these you know italian men that love beautiful women and but i think again it's a cliché because it's true on some level and and obviously yeah. this is reflective of of argento's love of beautiful women because he every single one every single one of his films are filled with either really really beautiful women or you get the exact opposite like you see in those two servants that that are in the film, uh, you know, in this film, the two evil women who are working in the kitchen chopping up the meat. Oh the, yes, they, I love they that look scene. like they look like me too. It's such a great food scene, but they yeah, they're, they're it, they are just such cliches of like the old the old Italian witch, you know, the scary old Italian witch lady yes. with the black wearing the black kerchief over her head with a little with a big mole on her chin with three hairs growing out of it
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly right you get the three different types of witches you get the old crone you know you get the sexy witch the dancers whatever the um the one with, that wears jewelry and mm-hmm. dressed nicely you get the old hag you get different types of, of yes. witches yeah and then you get true. like that
1: grand high witch like what's portrayed mm-hmm. in Roald Dahl's book which I think is personified by the German you know the 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 dance instructor and then the actual headmistress themselves they sort of they sort of portray that like kind of that that powerful witch sort of in midway in her career you know she's not the beautiful young witch sexy witch but she's not the withered old crone either
0: no no Mm -hmm. you have different types but certainly they are all women so there's no no men and there are a few younger boys that serve as a kind of assist They serve as kind of assistants, or or in some way, mm-hmm. a, uh, servants of some sort. And yeah. even in Guadagnino's um, version as well, we can argue that really there absolutely no there's absolutely no space for men, unless they are waiters in the restaurant, or even the case of the doctor. It's played by Tilda Swinton herself. So that's kind of underlining that really there uh, the importance of um, yeah. Let's call it the sisterhood—the <laughs> sisterhood of witches.
1: Well, and it's an interesting kind of inverse of traditional roles as well. You know, as as much as as the giallo genre, I think, does play into a lot of cliches about women and maybe you know just a lot of preconceived notions about women in general. I like how it kind of turns gender roles on its head as well, and you see that in in the uh, say his name for me again, Guarda Guadagnino. Guarda Nino, the Guardanino film, as you made the point, you know, Tilda Swinton in, in, in disguise is playing the or not in disguise in, in makeup and costume is playing the mm-hmm. doctor as well. So yeah, you yeah. know, there are there there are no real male roles except like you said as the as the waiter or in the yeah. Argento film, there's the the young the young man at the school, the young dancer who I think has a crush on our heroine Susie Banyan. And they mm-hmm. never really explain what happens to him at the end. So there's him, there's the little boy who I believe is the nephew of the headmistress. And he's like a little, you know, male warlock kind of thing. He's very creepy. And then there is um, the friend of Sarah's played by the uh, German actor Udo Kier. He was so young. Oh, my God. I remember Udo Kier in um, there was this very strange TV show called Kingdom Hospital. And it came out of... Mm it came out of Sweden. I want to say, and it was the weirdest movie. He's, he's such an interesting, he's an interesting character actor, but I, I was like, that's Udo Kier. Holy. He was young, man. And might I say, quite handsome. (laughs) Really? Oh,
0: interesting. Yes. So interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, let's call him Luca then instead of saying what Nino Luca, Luca's film, Luca's version it. of Suspedia. Well, uh, no, I don't know, want to keep those...
1: in- interrupting and, and embarrassing myself with my, my no, black,
0: no know, inability
1: but, to say his last name.
0: <laughs> no, but, you know, um, there are some differences like there's a really big difference. He made a big choice when he did this expansion on the first film and he took like a different angle. And I noticed that he used less colors, didn't he? He's like less fluorescent colors. There's less green, there's less red. It's actually quite dark. And I remember you saying to me, Ali, I can never, every time I start this film, I kind of can't get through it. And I understood what you were saying because as you're watching it, it draws you in and it's darker and darker. And sometimes I was struggling to focus very well on who the figures were. And they, yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to, it's like quite hard to distinguish who's who and, at some points and i think they do that on purpose there's like some some darkness there but um there's a really big darkness in the backdrop of it all because it's a, it's a different kind of atmosphere politically of course it's kind of connected to the cold war events that surround um, the hijacking of the Lufthansa plane, uh, the bombings in Germany connected to the Cold War. So there's this big Mm -hmm. political backdrop um, where there are implications to do with things that have happened during the Second World War, Mm -hmm. things to do with the doctor and the wife who were separated because of the invasion and she gets taken to a concentration camp. There's a lot to do with that, which is totally absent in Dario Argento's film. Dario Argento's Mm -hmm. film, Really doesn't even focus that much on the dancing. There's no big yeah. dance sequences. I love the dancing in Luca's. It's amazing um, version. in the, in the mm.
1: Luca Luca's film, isn't it? The, it's just so it's... He
0: fo- he's, yeah. I feel like he zoomed in on these on some different elements that were really interesting mm-hmm. and that made a big difference to the overall meaning of the film as well. Yeah, like there's no plot in in Dario Argento. It's all about there's a lot to do with sound and music and the colors and the drama of it all. But the plot in itself, like that, she doesn't uncover anything really now in the end at the end she wants to investigate she wants to uncover a mystery but then she kind of ends up running out and that's it but there in the in lucas version it's a lot meatier it gets yeah, a lot deeper. yeah
1: and i think that's and i think that's uh that goes a long way toward you know his his argument that he wasn't trying to remake the film he was trying to pay homage yes. to it you know he did he wasn't trying to completely remake it he didn't use the same color palette He significant and he significantly changed the the storyline of the witches as well the um the three, the three witch, you know, the three witches storyline is um, actually modeled on. Um, it's a modeled on three films that Argento himself did as well. So I thought that you know, obviously that's meant to be the uh, the homage. You know, mm. you know, he used the bare bones of the story itself. But another element that I thought was interesting is how they they approach the use of food in the two different yes. films. You know, Argento's film, there's not a lot of food. There's a lot of references to meal times and you get to see the, the outline of the meals and the bare bones of them. But what you do see a lot of is, you, A, you see a lot of drinking, which yes. you know, I have no no judgment on at all whatsoever. In fact, I'm quite approving of the whole amount of wine that's drunk in that movie.
0: Come on, drink up. Oh, you,
1: you must
0: drink. You heard what the doctor said.
1: Drink up. You must drink. The blood loss to hemorrhaging is gained back instantly with the intake of liquids. <laughs> right, Professor Verdegast. <laughs> but obviously, my dear, madame, do not be concerned. It's nothing, as I've already told the young lady. But I thought that what was interesting is how Argento uses the, the ritual of food and the ritual of mealtime to contrast it with these moments of, of just horror and, and grossness, Um you know, the yeah. biggest one being when they're uh, when when I think it's Susie's first or second night there at the school and they're going getting ready to go have dinner and she's had a, some sort of an attack. So she's been told she's going to have her meal in her room. And that very strange, weird, creepy character brings in her her meal tray with this big old glass of red wine. I was like, yes, I love it already. And she's and, and her roommate goes out of the room And all of a sudden she's brushing her hair and she starts noticing these things and it's, it's maggots. Oh my God, it's so disgusting. And these, this river of maggots spills down from the, from the attic down into her tray of food. Oh my God, it's horrible. And so then they show these maggots falling on all of the girls on that floor. And it turns out that it's a shipment of food, which to me, I was like, okay, why would you store food in the attic? I don't think it was food. I think it was a body. But yes, there's the, the, the German uh, dance instructor goes upstairs and she finds this huge box full of something that you really can't tell what it is. And it's mm. just covered in maggots. But these maggots, you know, basically ruin everybody's everybody's supper. And it's just the most viscerally gross thing. <laughs> oh, my God, it's horrible. And you mentioned the wine, but that was really important because when she gets
0: ill because she starts having these dizzy spells she passes out the doctor says what you need is a glass of red wine with every single meal and that will bring up your iron level yes. so that's when she starts drinking that and you've got this pivotal scene where we see when she starts realising there's something not quite right and the tray and Dario Dental with, you know he, he's you can see from the perspective of the person holding the tray the tray's kind of lurching forward and then she pours the things in the toilet the fish the sauce the wine everything goes in the all sink. of it yes the, the bread, sauce, bread.
1: The, mm-hmm.
0: and the and the wine it's so funny because when anyone bleeds it looks like very fake red paint and the wine had the same red remember
1: color. and she dropped. she dumps it in the sink and it almost it looked it, to me it looked like have you heard of kool-aid american kool-aid unfortunately yes I know it's this gross but it, yeah and it even has that kind of like weird texture as well so you dump kool-aid down the sink and it leaves that red red ring around it it's just so oh. gross and I, and I was like that that was wine I wouldn't be drinking that Ooh, disgusting the other thought that I had was you know because I because I was raised Catholic and I always return to my Catholic roots is the meal that she was flushing down the toilet once she starts to realize that they've been using the food and the wine to basically drug her so that they can continue their witchcraft rituals, is that it was it very biblical to me. It's fish, it's bread, and it's wine. You know, yeah. the loaves and the fishes from the story from the Bible, wine is is a is a huge staple in the Bible, bread is as well. So <clears throat> and you know, and and which witchcraft at its heart is designed to invoke the devil and take a lot of the the rituals of the Catholic Church or Christianity and kind of invert them as, as a way to kind of mock Christianity and Catholicism and and to draw the devil. So I thought that that was, that was an interesting, I thought, inverse of, you know, for her to do that, you know, getting rid of the food that they've been giving her, but they've been giving her these foods that are traditionally, I think, associated with the Bible and Jesus and and Christianity and Catholicism. That was, to me, that was a really fascinating food food moments yes. and yes. use of food in Argento's case.
0: No, I agree. And, you know, I loved the, I loved the, everywhere you looked, these things were happening, but then you looked at the wall, the wallpaper was very extravagant. You looked at the furniture, the furniture was so different and the banister was gold and it was wavy. And, and it was, you could look anywhere and it would give you kind of a mild headache. And even in the first scene where she goes and she's kind of, kicked out of the school they say you can't stay here tonight she goes to her friend's house and then that's where the two friends get killed and everything is so geometrical so even the shards of glass they they're triangular the Mm -hmm. tiles are square and it's all red and blue and very kind of bright vivid colors and it reminded me a bit of the yellow wallpaper as well, where you look at the wallpaper and it just keeps bringing up all these different patterns um, and the red of the corridors and then the green as she gets closer to the witches and then it becomes black and gold. And so you -hmm. go through all these colors. And I remember hearing someone say, Oh, you know, after the first 10 minutes of you, you kind of get bored of the colors. And I was like thinking that, I was getting sucked in more and more as I was watching the film because you progress from one and they start to have a little bit of a meaning you start to get right if it goes yes. red
1: it means it's not, it's trouble <laughs> no no and, and 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 there's i mean it reminded me quite a bit of the when we did the episode on crimson peak and yeah. how these the the color the the significance of different colors tied so very strongly in with the different storylines um you know the, the the use of yellows and creams indicated Innocence and and you know the use of of blues indicated the presence of of danger, or the use of red indicated death, black you know those kinds of thing, and I think you could argue that as well. And I'm thinking particularly of the scene toward the end when Susie starts to realize that there is a witchcraft coven in the school, and she's left alone with the exception of the two scary um scary servants who look like Sreganona. and the scene where she goes running past them when they're in the kitchen chopping up all the meat. And she's running in her high heels, I thought, oh my God, really? like dance shoes yes they were crazy and of course they hear her okay but she goes into the room of the headmistress and she's put together the clue from the girl that that she sees on the first night you know leaving the school that ends up being killed and she's putting together these clues about an iris and she starts looking at the wallpaper trying to figure out she says i know there's something she's thinking i know there's something going on Yes, the irises, not- the irises on the wall were painted in the four primary colors that you see throughout the movie. There's the blue, there's the white, there's the mm. um the red, and then there's the um black. And those are the yeah. those are the four colors. And it's the blue one that I thought was interesting. The blue one that she figures out if you turn the blue iris, it gives her access to that inner sanctum where the witches are having their coven and where the body of the 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 head of the coven, the 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 hundreds of years old body of the the ancient old hag witch is is you know being venerated. It's it's pretty interesting yeah. stuff. So.
0: And you get this motif. You know, we saw it in the House of the Devil. We saw it a little bit like in Rosemary's Baby. This is like a dance version of you know. You find the secret <laughs> room, and there's all this going on. And, um, and you know, she gets this information from her friend who's escaping from the school as soon as she arrives. So you're always watching this film from the beginning with this tension. It's like there's something not right. Uh, mm-hmm. Her friend Patricia, I think her name was, had had escaped, and she'd said she'd given her that clue about the red, sorry, the blue um iris. Mm-hmm. So that had come from her, and then she'd said the secret. There are secrets. So she had these two clues, um. And in the Guadagnino film as well, you get that kind of first scene where there's someone that's who's escaped, and they're saying that there's a coven of witches, and they they're kind of running away. So you start with this idea that there yeah. is something very very wrong. But, um, but it's
1: interesting in film, you know, they they pretty much start with, you know, that there's a coven of witches in that school. It's, it's how they come about it and how they yeah. get, how she gets to that point. That's the that's the biggest difference, I think. And also, I think you could argue that the end, the end of the two films is extremely different. And in the Argento film, Susie Banyan finds the coven of witches, is able to kill the body of the. The ancient, you know, witch queen whose whose body is still alive, and that in turn makes all of the other witches die. Whereas at the end of Luca's film, the two thousand eight version, and you know Dakota Johnson plays the character of Susie Bannon. Yes. the impression is that she's going to take over the coven. She is like become. Oh yes, she's
0: become the witch. She yeah. was always the witch. I mean, whether yeah. then she kind of did you see that like, such a great moment in the original. As Susie's getting closer and she sees kind of a hologram version of the witch, it's like flashes of white where she can see the outline. Like the outline, yes. Yeah, and you get that in Guadagnino picked up on that. And Mm -hmm. so Dakota Johnson is seeing this as she's getting closer and closer to the witch. But she is the witch all along. I mean, I assume she was the witch all along or she got kind of something transferred into her she became ultimately the high witch herself you know one of the
1: something kind of transferred into her but Mm. you also get that sense because she comes and this is another difference between um Argento's film and Luca's film is that you know there's no background given for Susie Banyan at all in 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 the Argento film like she just shows up she's from America somewhere blah 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 um, Dakota Johnson's character has this entire backstory. You know, she comes from this very religious, this weird little uh, cult-like religion called Mennonites, which are almost like um, the Amish in a way. And you know, so she, you, her character is very much played like she's kind of escaping. You know, they don't approve yes. her; they don't approve of her career as a dancer. And
0: the Amish split from the Mennonites in the 17th century. They were worried the Mennonites were becoming too liberal. They, not we. You've left religious thinking behind you, then? And you're not comfortable talking about these things. I don't know where we are. Difficult not to be curious about you. In two days, you've auditioned, been accepted, and danced a lead. How did your journey towards us begin? I went to New York, to the Martha Graham Center. I saw you there three times. I went once by bus and I hitchhiked the other two. That's risky. Were you punished? Yeah. But
1: I felt I had to see you. though
0: no, that I hadn't picked up on this very religious background of Dakota Johnson's before she, she got there, but it was like she was on a mission to get there. And it was because mother Marcos wanted her to, wanted her to come she was kind of the chosen one right did you get that impression yeah or?
1: I did yeah I did so and I thought that was in and especially after she uh after after Susie kind of becomes the uh I guess you would call her she's sort of the uh prima ballerina in a way and yeah. then have that really strange um celebration dinner
0: yes very powerful dinner the witches yeah. are very powerful in their in how they kind of surround themselves and act around food so they're very communal they're always sitting around the table they're really enjoying their their meal times aren't they and and like he was once they go to a, a restaurant and they even hug the waiter because they're regulars there they go there to discuss and celebrate and make
1: plans well it didn't hurt that the waiter was quite handsome too but it is interesting if you think about just how they structure the meals in between both films because the Argento film you never see them sit down together for all that they're in this communal school they don't the only time you ever see them all together is obviously when they're in dance class and then that one scene where they have to spend the night in the dance studio because of the maggots and they've kind of turned it into like a (gasps) like a dormitory but you never see them sitting down to any kind of meals you we see them getting ready for meals oh I have to get ready I have to dress for dinner but you never see them sit down, whereas in the in Luca's film, there are a, quite a few scenes where they're having like communal meals that the, the scene when they go to the restaurant, that celebratory um, dinner, when um, Tilda Swinton is, is you know, the way she's nibbling on her on her chicken, on her chicken. Yes, I, you, you almost got a sense of her that she wanted to like snap it into with her teeth.
0: there's always a sense of intimacy when they eat with, when you eat with a plate on your lap and you bring in one student to talk to you, it means you're in their good books. You're important. You're valued. I think that you're letting your guard down. So you get these moments with a lot of crockery and tea time and servants coming in, even between Mia Goth, and um, who's also in the film, who's brilliant, and Mia Goth and the doctor, who knows a bit more, is trying to discover what's going on behind everything and, and is asking Mia Goth some questions. And, you know, he even takes her to a restaurant. They have a dessert together. I don't know what to make of any of this. I know the kind of thing she was involved with, but I can't see how any of this could be happening inside the company. She describes
1: something like a revolutionary organisation and a crisis of leadership. With Margaret, very ill.
0: I live there. I have friends there. I don't see any evidence of this at all. No one has ever approached me or any of the other girls, as far as I know. Read this. What is this?
1: This is Patricia's diary
0: they quite formal occasions, but when it comes to the High Witch and to Dakota, there's a sense of intimacy there. Yeah. And you mentioned the dorm. this is in Guadagnino's film, in the other film, in Dario Argento's, in the first one, you mentioned the dormitory scene, which is one of my favorite ones, because that's when you hear that dreaded uh, yeah, kind horrible. of snoring noise. That breathing snoring. <laughs> that breathing noise. <laughs> And 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 that's also reproduced in Luca's version afterwards. But in, oh, but in that's that, right, that's right. You know, behind the curtain, and you can see yes. that there's someone sleeping, and it's uncertain who that is, and it's red, and you can just see the shadow and and just the noise. I love that. I love. Oh, well, I love the sound just... of the
1: snoring. It made me laugh because I thought to myself, "Oh wow, there's somebody else who sounds like I do when I sleep." <laughs> 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 who knows what we sound like? <laughs> it was it was kind of uncanny. <laughs> Oh, I love, I love that. To the food. And then the only, like the only time you do ever see anybody kind of sharing any kind of a food together, it's not even food. It's, it's when they're having tea, they drink a lot of tea. It's, 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 I thought it was kind of a very sort of British um, affectation.
0: And there's a lot of smoking with the drinking as well, isn't there? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. Yeah. It was a very different time. You know, they prescribed a red wine for, for young women who were sick. Yeah, They're smoking everywhere. god they, they that's right. I had forgotten about just the prevalence a lot of smoking,
0: vaccine. even yeah. in Luca's version afterwards. There's a lot, a lot of smoking at every moment, even during the lessons. And this really reminds me of my ballet teacher always used to smoke very thin, long cigarettes. And as soon as one was finished, she another one would be lit. You know, so it was constant. Oh, she
1: was a smoker. Well, check and, and, is such a good, I mean, it's such a good it's not a good thing at all, but it's a good way for I think the dancers because they have to maintain their certain body shape they have to be very slim and slender and you know I think I think the act of having a cigarette in your mouth prevents you from putting other things into it you know what I mean it's it's almost a way to stop you from from eating from ingesting anything but also
0: Um, I wonder if it was like more of because it's such a display of power as well the way that they are behaving if that was also kind of a way of saying this is what this is our authority we we kind of we do whatever we want because they're smoking while they're eating there are no they're kind of no rules where they are completely in charge it's only women and um and I love that the the dancers are quite I mean their bodies are strong and they sometimes dance with no music which is why there's been a parallel between the high witch and Pina Bausch, who also choreographs things with no music Mm -hmm. and it's meant to be a kind of remind, be a yeah, like a parallel to her, but I don't know. Yeah. And, um, and I thought that was beautiful. The choreography was beautiful. To think of somebody
1: who can choreograph without any music. I mean, that to me is an amazing amount of, of talent.
0: And the sound effects are amazing because of that, you know, as I'm talking about the audition that Dakota Johnson does in the beginning when there's no Mm -hmm. music. uh, Yeah. And just those movements. I thought Mm -hmm. it was really wonderful. Yeah. I thought all the dancing was so wonderful.
1: The the dancing, particularly in the, in Luca's film was, was quite amazing just the way that he used it. And, and I normally, you know, I, I liked it because you could, you could see how it could very easily kind of, tip over into like a parody of a musical almost if he wasn't careful and I hate musicals so I was I was a little leery when I first started watching it because I thought you know if this turns into a goddamn Disney movie I'm gonna turn it off fucking you know every movement Disney. it was impossible Argento, it wasn't, Giallo it Disney, be,
0: it could never be Disneyfied just because every movement was normally killing someone else so when Olga one another dance dancer or dance mistress there um kind of protests against the high witch and then dakota johnson does her dance it's olga that kind of is um getting the yeah that is 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 mm-hmm. suffering because of every single movement that she does yeah and it's in time with the music so i thought you know dancing and suffering and uh also not not eating mm-hmm. as much but these witches eat you know they eat they congregate they discuss And they make decisions, uh, they celebrate, they seem fairly happy and everything is kind of seems very witchy and covenly. I love it.
1: I I almost thought the witches in Luca's film were probably more witch-like in the sense that they were very earthy. They they ate, they drank, they were very yes. in touch with their bodies. Um you, you know, see dan- that in the dancers- first one. Exactly. Um, you know, dancers are in touch with their bodies. I definitely think you could argue that, but in a different way, you know, they're aware of their bodies, but you don't get a sense from, especially in ballet, you don't get a sense that dancers enjoy a lot of things in life because they are so focused on their bodies yeah. and their bodies are almost like machines in a way whereas the witches in in Lucas film they love like i said they loved you know they the dancing is even very different it's meant to be a school of dance it's you know but the style of the dancing is very different from that classical ballet that you see in in Argento's film and the use of food and drink and and smoking and just you know it, it just it was an interesting Yes. Kind of contrast of, I was going to say to me, it was an interesting contrast between, uh, not necessarily a contrast, but it was going, it was, it tied in with, so, I think, sort of more the traditional concept of witches in the sense that witches yeah. are very into like potions and eating and drinking and, and changing their bodies and, you know, using glamours to change how they look. And so, it's it's a different type of being in touch with one's body than than the witches in Ar, in Argento. You know, I didn't yes. get a sense of of them being in touch with their bodies in the same way at all. It was it was more like just the ritual of the witchcraft. But the body yes. was not the body was not the body was almost incidental. It was like there
0: was no depth to it. Yeah, and I wanted to know what you thought about this because I thought that the dancing in Luca's uh, in Luca's film was actually very sexual, but without sexualizing the female body. I wondered what you thought about that. I agree. Did you get that sexiness? But it wasn't about the sex sexiness of the woman. It
1: was the movements were... The movements were yeah. very like you, the, the, the movements I thought were very indicative of, of sexual intercourse without sexualizing the women's bodies or without even being crude or gross or anything like that. I thought it was incredibly well done. Um, and there were, there were, but there was always a sense of menace to it as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. like the the darkness the you know, that the dark and the light of, of, of sex, you know, sex can be a wonderful thing and it can be a terrible thing if it's not, you know, if it's used Against you, uh, so you know it, it. It was an interesting and very dark, sexual, dark way to portray the dance. It was it was fascinating.
0: Well, as my friend always said, you can use a knife to butter your bread or to stab someone to death. So
1: you it's know. very true. This is very. True. And I,
0: this I wanted to very know, wise. <laughs> I wanted to know what you thought about this because we talked a little bit about all the political background, mm-hmm. which is actually very much in the foreground when it comes to. Guadagnino's Suspiria um, and the influence of the all the legacy of the Holocaust mm-hmm. and then going into the Cold War. It's very much part of the film, even how it ends, and it ends with Joseph Klemperer. He was missing his wife. The witches trick him into thinking that his wife is actually alive. He then finds out that she's not. And Dakota Johnson, who has now become the mega witch, comes back and is very gracious and decides to cancel his memory. because, And she says some very important words. She said something like, um, because everyone here should feel guilt and shame, but not you. And she deletes all the memories of all the facts that he knows about Patricia, about mm-hmm. Sarah, about the girls at the Academy and his wife. So that she, he feels no more pain. Yeah. And um, I thought that was a very, very important commentary on the legacy of the Holocaust, on how one must never forget and all these issues that that are brought up by the film and that Guadagnino wanted to focus on um as part of the film which are completely absent in Dario Argento so there's no mention yeah. of this at all in yeah. Dario Argento there's one just one scene which I thought and I thought I thought of you because the blind man who's also the piano player mm. goes into this big square and there's I know. you know this this big this big building and it looks very much like you know a temple and reminiscent of maybe, you know, architecturally uh, architecturally kind of Nazi regime. And at the top of it, there's a bird, right? You know, it reminded me of a bit of Pazuzu. And I thought I must tell Vanessa because the bird theme is then repeated with the peacock, which is such a weird theme. Uh, the luminous peacock in, in yes. the film as well that gets knocked down. And I thought, how bizarre. And it reminded me of the fake Pazuzu that the girl in The Exorcist paints that we were a talking little about. little bird. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I
1: thought I must tell Vanessa
0: this well, weird connection. Flying creatures,
1: flying creatures in general, were kind of a thing in Argentos. I mean, remember the bat, the bat that gets oh yes. the Canyon's hair, and then I, I thought that was I just I was sitting there. I remember, like to me, that part struck a very kind of false note. I don't know why, but I it was just so ridiculous that was, she just like she just couldn't get rid of that bat. I'm like, it's just a bat. Like, just grab it and throw it in her hair. Yes, you know, but no, the birds were were the big thing, and then the peacock that gets broken at the end. But I did the, the scene with the blind piano uh, player when his dog turns on him and eats him. Yeah. Pretty horrible. Although I have to say, I'm really glad nothing bad happened to the dog. No, I knew you'd say that. Humans, to the dogs. I don't really care about the people much, but I don't like it when bad things happen to dogs
0: and I just love you talked about the bat and I just love that scene where she's looking in the window or is it like the door of I don't know what it is but it's the reflection and she can see two red eyes and it's terrifying and that's when she opens it and the bat comes at her
1: and I was like that's don't glow in the dark like that (laughs) I know well I was thinking that scene with the bat with the eyes in the in the in the um in the, in the wardrobe I think is what it was or the closet uh the scene from the yeah, horror when the kid th- thinks he sees the the pig eyes in his closet in the bedroom oh
0: yes mm-hmm.
1: yeah Some pigs bats, dogs. birds yeah.
0: yeah they're all familiars and mm-hmm. yeah I just love the peacock that was there and it was so such a weird thing to to have there
1: the peacock symbolism is interesting if you think about it, especially in, in light of what we were talking about with gender roles, because it's the male peacock that has the magnificent plumage that comes out. The The female peacocks, which are called peahens, don't have that same, Yeah, you know, they don't have that big, beautiful plumage. And the male no. puts it up when he's trying to attract a female. So I thought that was a, a very interesting use of a you know male versus female dynamic particularly yeah and it focuses context. on the
0: eyes doesn't it mm-hmm. and then it when it when it disintegrates on the ground it all turns into balls and yes yeah it's a very kind of so weird more moment of symbolism
1: there turning into balls
0: yeah and you know it just so weird because I don't know how the film would be without that Moog music you know Moog is one of my favourite instruments The Moog synthesiser is brilliant and I thought how is Guadagnino going to change the music and of course he goes in a completely opposite direction with Tom York who also is in Radiohead because we talked about Phantom Thread yes. and Johnny Greenwood doing the music also from Radiohead and then now it's someone else from Radiohead doing the music for uh, Lucasfilm and I loved both, I loved the music in luca's film but you know the, in Dario argento is fantastic it's like you can't it's just
1: crazy it's almost, I kept having... it's almost like another character in the film
0: definitely mm-hmm. like the colors you know without it it wouldn't be the same like yes. you have to have that that breathing is part of the music it's constant it really does your head in after a while you like you feel a bit confused after it and um and it's a briefer film but guaranino's film is quite long as well so yeah watching what both one after another was uh was a journey for me
1: I'm sure I'm sure it was wow I, I no wonder you have a headache no wonder you're exhausted you're like <laughs> this 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 journey of this journey of, of Suspiria I don't think I can handle it
0: <laughs> but it was well worth it I absolutely loved it do
1: you and, have um, a preference as to which one you like better
0: oh no they um like for me, they're completely different. So,
1: it's like I, I like I like the depth
0: that it's that that Luca gives the story. You know, I like that. I think if you're going to do a film which is based on another film as a starting point, that's the kind of expansion that I would think is useful and wonderful. Like, you don't want to just reproduce something no. which is similar but with different actors or similar music. Mm-hmm. You want to give it your own, your kind of own imprint. And I think I love I that agree. because because of that. I wouldn't have taken like in that direction of it being so, so political. Um, But then again, you know, it was the voice of its time and it was expressing something which was important, you know, losing memory and not forgetting. And then Dario is just Mm -hmm. crazy.
1: Well, memory (laughs) is such an inherent part of, of our identity, and I think that's a, a big thing that you see in both of the films is this idea of identity and losing who you are and the way that they get there is done very differently. You know, Susie is, you know, but, but the idea is that their identity is going to get taken over by something else, you know, yeah. which, yeah. witches. is, you know, it's like a it's yeah. form of possession in a way. And yes. So in, in Argento's version, you know, it's done in a very different way. You know, it's, they, you don't ever get a sense that these, these girls are being groomed to be part of the coven, you get a sense that they're being groomed to be sacrifices, which I think is a really interesting way to, to go about it. Yes. Because a coven coven is defined by, you know, having numerous people who are in the coven, but all of these girls who die, none of them were recruited to be in the coven. They were all just victims. Whereas Mm -hmm. in Luca's film, you know, uh Dakota Johnson's character in particular you know you get a sense from from day one almost almost in a way I got a sense that like she was drawn there some way like they 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 almost something to kind of make her want to go there there was something about her her identity who she was that they wanted to be part Mm. of that and I never got a sense that she was necessarily going to be a victim but almost that there was something about her that they wanted to bring into the cub themselves. And maybe that explains how it ends. But but yeah, the idea of, of identity and memory is 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 pretty strong in both of them, just in a different way.
0: Yeah. And I love that in Lucas film as well, you know, the school isn't just a front. Tilda Swinton really is into her dancing. Like she mm-hmm. loves, she wants to put on the best show. She wants the girls to practice. You see that more dance side of everything coming out and I love that the strength in that which you didn't have in Argento's film it was more of a front there you know it was like we're just doing this to be able to get together and get these young girls and um, mm-hmm. so I really liked I liked that a lot
1: yeah I definitely prefer the dancing in 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 Lucasfilm for certain yeah yeah but I'm not a big ballet fan anyway
0: um you haven't watched a step up or center stage or magic Mike? what nope.
1: but i did watch proudly. no (laughs) i have seen black swan which is another favorite speaking of ballet and i didn't mind i didn't mind that movie Um, no i thought it was a beautiful depiction of just ballet in general but that's a great that's a great horror film well we're gonna we're gonna cover it at some point
0: i can't wait well this was wonderful
1: i know i'm so glad we got to talk about suspeed i hadn't watched um the argento film in many many years now it may actually i want to like start going and watching all of his films now
0: have you seen it? also there's
1: have
0: you seen opera? No, I haven't. I haven't oh. I'm not really much of a Jalo fan, but I'm okay. gonna start watching the rest of them. Yeah. But yeah, you yeah. know, there's also a, a documentary that's come out now, which is called um Panico. It's on Shudder and it's uh yeah, about this feeling where he describes that there's it's not just fear that he wants to procure in people, it's the sense of panic. It's just one step beyond, it's where you feel even more than fear. You mm-hmm. feel panico.
1: Well, I think panic, the difference between panic and fear is that panic, you, fear is one thing, fear is, and then you have that fight or flight instinct. Panic, you don't know what to do. You're like, panic is almost, there's like an element of confusion. You're not sure where it's coming from. You're not even quite sure why you feel the way you do. And I think that's a, the genius of, of Argento's films is he's he's a master at creating that Sense from from the get go, and he's very good at it because he has these very prolonged scenes. Like that, to me, is is one of the big differences between the the films. Is he has these very long, prolonged scenes of someone walking down a corridor, someone going Mm. in a hall, someone going, and it just just, increases that sense of like you're like just get to already, you know. And it 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 almost it it almost it's like it's almost an unbearable kind of of just tension.
0: Yeah, and it's like in a situation where you know you watch a film and you think this is a protagonist. Nothing bad really can happen. It's the hero, the heroine. Dario Argento crosses the line. You can't trust Dario Argento. And he says in the in this documentary, he says "panico è un passo in più della paura." So it's one step more than fear. Mm-hmm. And if panic, if having a fever is thirty eight, panico is forty one. It becomes delirio. So it's like you have lost control. You you're so fearful that you lose control and it's kind of and that's very scary. I, I don't feel like I don't feel like his films are like that, but at the time it must have felt like he was doing something extremely innovative and like amazing. Um you'd
1: say that, yeah. Like I don't necessarily I didn't find Suspedia scary per se either version I, right I had seen it before so I wasn't I wasn't terrified of it but I just I was really caught up in the visuals the music yeah I was quite distracted by the dubbing <laughs>
0: the, the vocal. I know but I guess that same sense, sense of panic from like bad dubbing but also is that sense that the witches don't need to do any jump scares you know the witches have so much power mm-hmm. but they don't need to creep up on you in the dark you know that even if they with all the tools that they have they are going to get you so that's kind of that sense of panic if you think about it yeah
1: yeah you know it's 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 this sense of doom you know no matter what you do these witches are going to get you and and if you think about just the, the the idea of witches overall, witches, witches to me are, are probably the most terrifying of all supernatural creatures, more so than ghosts, more so than vampires or monsters or zombies or anything else. Because they have the
0: financial backing because it's much about, it's a lot about finance. You remember the cast of in Rosemary's Baby? Yes. You know, when she goes to the second doctor and she thinks, oh, this is a different doctor, I'll be safe with someone who doesn't. No, you're never safe because the tentacle of money will reach
1: everywhere. You know, they have that oh, financial and they're, also, and they're also human like us. Like you would you know that's what's terrifying is they are they they're human. You think that oh they're they're gonna understand. No, they're humans, but they've they've completely turned their back on their fellow humans. Yeah. And then they can they can actually manipulate the forces of the world you know the forces of the universe they can you know cause objects to move and and things like that. you know ghosts you know ghosts are limited you know vampires are limited in what they can do but but witches yeah. witches are genuinely are genuinely creepy so scary well yeah. um, what are you and going on to that make? note i was going to say <laughs> speaking of witches we're we going to cook i'm you know i am not sure i cannot Hmm. Um, I might just get some red wine and make some red wine chicken drumsticks to kind of combine elements from both movies to build your blood up and give you well, some more iron. Well, I think that's I think, amazing because I, I don't, I don't drink enough wine as it is. So I must, I must build up my blood. You know, I'm very, an unhealthy person, Ellie. I need more wine in my life. Get getting more rosy cheeked. No, I know. What about you? Uh, So there's this nice scene between the psychiatrist
0: and Mia Goth, who's one of the dancers in Guadagnino's version of the film. And they go to a restaurant and it's a bit of a tense encounter, but they're eating a really lovely dessert, maybe looks like apple
1: strudel. So I might try my hand at that. I think apple strudel and red wine chicken sound fantastic. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening and make sure to tune in for our next episode coming to you in two weeks. As always, stay spooky.